podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host. Uh, in this digest episode, where we'll probably focus on a couple of World Cup games, I have a very special guest joining me. Hello, Shonak. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ajitya. It's great to be on. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's been in the works for a couple of months already, right? And finally, we found the time. So I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Yeah, we've had a bit of a problem aligning our schedules, considering that you're based in Netherlands and I'm living in the Western in Western Australia in Perth. But uh, no, we finally managed to get it together and sort it out, and then here we are. Exactly. Let's start right there. So you uh, do some work with um, uh, some alternative cricket sites, right? You also f- uh, focus on doing a bit of talking about cricket. You do a podcast, Slouch Cricket. You're a co- guest on Slouch Cricket, I must say. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so my main like uh, so I work as a financial analyst during as a day job, and then like I love cricket. So in my part time, in my free time, I should say, like I write about cricket on emerging cricket website, which is basically uh, just focuses on the associate cricket nations mainly. And then yes, I have appeared quite a few times on the Cricket Slouch podcast as well, with which Sagar hosts. Pretty much so. That's where we met each other, and that's where at least I met you. And you know, I thought right, you, yeah. you would be a fantastic addition to my list of guests as well. I must. Yeah, say. and it was great to come across someone like who lives in Netherlands and plays cricket there as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Yeah. So, before we get into the games and so on, when did this love of cricket develop? I mean, coming from South Asia, it's potentially a redundant question, but I would like to understand a bit more. Yeah, sure. I'm pretty much like, you know, I loved cricket since I grew up because I grew up in Kolkata in West Bengal. So both my parents were cricket mad. My mom had actually played cricket for uh, West Zone a few times. And then so she she made it to a pretty, um, you know, proper level in okay. state cricket, women's cricket. And then so for, from that, like, you know, whenever cricket matches were on, especially one days and test matches, like we would always be having the TV on and watching. So I pretty much grew up uh, being surrounded by cricket, by surrounded by everyone who loves cricket, and like you know, in Kolkata, people are cricket mad. So there's football, that's one love, but then cricket also has a special place in the hearts of many Bengalis. So I've always loved cricket since that, and then even though I've moved around, so I pretty much moved away from India when I was only 13. I went to New Zealand, lived there, uh, played cricket there for a club and school as well. So my love for cricket, yeah, never dimmed. You know, it pretty much survived. Oh, I'm all the way through New Zealand. And then when I finally moved to Australia in 2012, like, you know, pretty much uh, become involved again. Although I don't play it as such anymore. So I have played like casual competitions. I don't play organized club cricket anymore. But I keep up to date with the sport through watching it and then writing about it and then doing podcasts about it. All right. And when it comes to your skill set, cricketing hmm. skill set, <laughs> what do you do? So I... I I like to call myself an all-rounder. So pretty much when I first started out in club cricket, I was more a batsman. 
uh, or a batter, I should say, which is the more politically correct term these days. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, like, I had always, um, I could always bowl a heavy ball. So I wasn't too fast, but I had decent pace and I could swing the ball. So I, like, when I first started out playing cricket, I, they always had me bowl in a few overs. But then over time, mm-hmm. and I don't know why, but, like, maybe it's lack of practice, but my bowling became better and then my batting <laughs> pretty much dropped off. So <laughs> for the last five, six years, whenever I play, I'm pretty much batting in like the middle to lower order, but mainly doing the opening bowling or like, you know, just, just providing some nice pacey overs nice. uh, up front or in the middle. Oh, good to hear. Great to hear. Well, <laughs> I can tell you my journey is not very different. I started as a top sure. order batsman who could bowl a bit and now I'm a Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Bowling all-rounder who bats seven, eight, nine, something like this. Oh, exactly like me. <laughs> Are you a spinner or do you bowl fast as well? Yeah, so I'm a leg break bowler. So, so I provide that bit of variety. I expect more or less, mm-hmm. unless I'm having a terrible day, to more or less go out and bowl most of my hours. Yeah. Something like that. It, it comes and goes. But yeah, I'm happy to be playing uh, as of now. And I don't know what the future holds, but mm-hmm. being a spinner, if I can focus a bit on my fitness, I'm hoping I can play a couple more seasons. Let's see how things go. Sure. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now let's go one step back and look at the games. So the two games that are in focus for this episode, the first one would be the Pakistan versus Sri Lanka game. Let's start there. So did you get mm-hmm. a chance to see this game? Yeah, I saw most of it. So I pretty much stayed up till when it was 11 o'clock here in Perth. So I think I watched up to the 30th mm-hmm. over mark, I believe. And then I basically went to sleep thinking that, oh, like, you know, Pakistan have a good chance. They have a partnership going, but then eventually they're going to fall short because Sri Lanka are going to tighten the school. So imagine my surprise when I woke up the next day and I'm like, my God, they have won comfortably by six wickets. And it just tells you like how crap and flat the pitch mm. was like, you know, <laughs> like being like a more bowler these days, I prefer watching cricket and prefer pitches where there's a good contest between bat and ball. And I don't know, for me, it just makes the cricket interesting to watch. And it doesn't matter, you know, like what format it is, whether it's one day cricket, test cricket or even T20s. So, yeah, I was, I was a bit shocked. Yeah. And then, yeah, definitely. But I think, yeah, Pakistan batted really well. Uh, they had a great partnership. And then um, there was a guy, I think, who was making his World Cup debut. I think it was Shafiq. So he mm-hmm. played really well. And then when Barbarism got out, I thought, oh, they're going to suffer. But, you know, Rizwan pretty much um, picked up the slack. And, yeah, they pretty much um, had a comfortable victory. What did you make of it yourself? First of all, a bit of kudos on how Sri Lanka batted. So there were a couple of hundreds. Kusal Mendes sort of began where he left off against South Africa. Oh, right? And then Sadira Samaravikrama mm-hmm. held the innings together while scoring at a strike rate of 120+. plus. That's quite something. And there were some runs in the mm-hmm. end. You would say probably they left about 20-30 runs in the field. 
for sure sri lanka because pakistan pacers did a wonderful job in the last 10 overs where they considered more or less just 60 runs from 284 to 344 you mm-hmm. would expect if a team is 244 for 4 or 244 for 3 you would expect they would go to maybe potentially very close to 400 in the next 10 so mm-hmm. there i think they get a bit of credit pakistani fast bowlers mainly hasan ali was a bit costly but he kept uh, getting wickets i think it was haris rof and shahin shah afridi who came back strong mainly haris rof i think so yeah because they were both full up front i remember like you know shahin shah afridi bowled so many wides they considered a lot of extras they were ill disciplined like you know they varied their lengths too much but i think they yeah you're right they got it uh they improved a lot and the last 10 overs were pretty good for them i mean i dare say they may have been put under the pump right from the start by uh this <laughs> partnership between you know mendes and samaravikrama and mendes. that was the main difference yeah. the moment sort of i think samaravikrama started to tire and they made use of that uh, i think the most disastrous thing that could have happened as far as sri lanka was concerned was dhananjay de silva's wicket from there it was mm. not going to be a lot of runs you would have expected dasun shanaka today was or that day was as good a day as any to hit a you know 18 ball mm. 30 or whatever he couldn't get going and then samarakrama did his bit he made sure they cross at least into what could be very dangerous total territory mm. pakistan when they started it was not going to be easy and abdullah shafiq was as you said debuting in the world cup imamul haq has been in mm. form So it's a big deal as far as I'm concerned to drop somebody like Fakhar Zaman simply because he's a match winner on his day right he's unable to yeah. find that consistency and that's potentially cost him the uh, slot but it's still a big call to drop somebody like him and they did that right mm-hmm. so Abdullah Shafiq had big shoes to fill but he's a very confident young man i mean the way he's taken to international cricket at least in the test format you know this guy has it in him so mainly for me it was his innings at the top even though imamul haq and babar azam were dismissed and rizwan took his time so initial half of his innings even up to 50 60 runs i think rizwan scored at 18 85 90 strike rate something like this so the guy mm-hmm. who kept the innings going up until he got out was abdullah shafiq so but by the time he got out they had established a beautiful partnership a solid platform and you had these hitters south shakil yeah. iftikhar ahmed shadab khan you did not have to worry right so yeah. i dare say by the 30th over the base setup was in such a strong way that you know there is a clear chance pakistan may boss this chase but then the second half of the chase for yeah. me would you like to give your thoughts then i'll give mine yeah sure i mean i when shafiq got out with the score being 213 for 3 i thought they might be a bit of a wobble and then pakistan may panic mm. but no i was just surprised with the ease which they they chased it down so rizwan you know he was not out till the end and then he got great support from shakil uh, who made 31 of 30 and then after he got out like if the car just came out and blasted you know a few fours made 22 of 10 and then yeah it never got hairy like they in the end they got there pretty comfortably uh what i also wanted to add was about sri lanka's bowling like they have been pretty unfortunate with all the injuries because they have you know um jamira missing they have lahiru kumara missing uh, no hasaranga this world cup and it, it just short you know because pathirana He's still young. He's only 20 years old, and he was extremely expensive both against South Africa and uh, against Pakistan in this game. So I kind of feel sorry for him that uh, he's had a very tough introduction to World Cup cricket, and maybe Sri Lanka will benefit from maybe you know giving him a rest for a few games and then trying somebody else. Tikshana was good um, on his um, like on his return. But yeah, apart from that, and then Malushanka bowled some nice overs up front. But apart from that, it was pretty dire, honestly. 
Uh, Villa like impressed in the Asia Cup, mm. but so far I don't think he has been able to replicate that bowling form here. Uh, what did you make of it, Ajit? No, no, exactly. So they were unable to tie Pakistan down. Pakistan was always like five plus runs and over, very close to. Mm. you know uh, 5 and 1/2 5.75 runs on over and then they started drifting the run rate it became very one sided so i think they really struggled for control shanaka i think he could have bowled a few more overs velalage was impressive but then you have to give them credit they handled all the spinners really well including matisha patirana who has the slippery pace they hit him for a lot of runs so i think matisha mm. patirana's <laughs> sort of bowling in the 40th over onwards was really decisive right they were still mm. requiring probably a 15 run difference between bar- a number of balls and runs required but there was never going to be an issue but you know when iftikhar ahmed came out there was a potential small chance that there may be a wobble but as you say he played very bravely he went for his shots took the risks right and uh, mm. that meant they were not going to be troubled so that risks came off he edged a couple behind none of those really matter frankly because they all went for boundaries so once he did that mm. the pressure on rizwan east and they sort of ran away to the victory and this is the highest chase in a world cup game so pakistan are setting themselves up beautifully for the next game yeah and it's crazy isn't it ajit like how many records batting records have fallen and it's only the first week of the world cup <laughs> it kind of concerns me like give the with regards to the quality of the pitches and how flat it's been and i believe you know it's not going to be that flat because as the tournament goes on the pitches are going to get more tired um the sun's going to be beating down you know for cuz i think it's just the start of the cricket season basically like you know after the monsoon break mm-hmm. so hopefully we see a bit more variety as the game moves we get more games in kolkata mumbai um chennai is hopefully going to be keep on spinning and yeah we'll see how it goes but yeah it is quite crazy how many batting records have been broken in the first week indeed i mean maybe up until the first half of the tournament bat will remain heavy over the ball and maybe then it might be some parity and the other way even towards the end it it remains to be seen it's a long tournament but indeed the first few games are sort of going according to plan right if you are playing in india or subcontinent conditions so hmm. that's one thing i think the only surprise was like new zealand thrashing england like not just beating england but thrashing, thrashing them, them i mean that was quite a result yeah. if you look at it from also you know how the rest of the tournament may proceed because new zealand have put their stamp So if we move quickly to the next game which is the India game versus uh, Afghanistan again did the ease sure. with which India beat Afghanistan surprise you or is that on par course for you um when i first saw how flat the pitch was i always knew that oh, afghanistan is going to struggle on this pitch because they like their main asset is bowling and their batting is not that strong uh, unless you know gurbaz plays a blinder and like makes a century or something Um so I knew they were going to struggle but um and they did struggle when they first came out to bat they were 63 for 3 after 13 overs but then I think Shahidi and Omar Zaid I I I was impressed with how they batted um so they after getting bogged down for a few overs initially I think they started breaking the shackles and they were pretty fluent uh both uh, Omar Zaid was pretty brave taking on the spinners he hit four sixes Shahidi also was very good with rotating the strike Uh, but yeah after once again after they both both got out that uh, the scoring rate dropped off and then nobody really towards the back end could capitalize but i still thought it was a decent effort by afghanistan because um, generally they always struggle with their bat so making 272 for 8 against india uh, mind you you know even on a flat pitch i think that's still a very creditable effort so i was happy with that but then yeah i was surprised i was sure i wasn't 
uh, I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I was still surprised with like the absolutely how crazy Rohit <laughs> Sharma went. Like, mm. you know, he basically teed off from the start, and I don't think the game ever felt in doubt from say the first or second over. You always knew that India is going to win. It's just a matter of how quickly they're going to chase it down and how much boost they were going to get to their net run rate. Indeed. First of all, again, a small word on how well Afghanistan consolidated through the middle. Ashmatullah Shahidi, the skipper, mm. 80, and Asmatullah Omarzai. Even in the previous game, Asmatullah had showed he had some batting chops. So I think he was promoted above the mm. likes of Nabi and Zadran. And he did right. Sort of they set up Afghanistan in a beautiful way where, you know, um, when Asmatullah got out in the 35th over, they had 184 from where, in theory, they could have gotten 100 runs, which they nearly did. So they're maturing beautifully. But as you say, even though their strength is actually the bowling, maybe, you know, Rohit Sharma on his day will take down anybody, let alone Afghanistan or yeah. anybody else. And it was all about how well they would use the new ball. People like Mujibur Rahman and Fazal Haq, Faruqi, maybe even Naveenul Haq. So they were neutralized right there, right at the top. Mm. And I think, do you think Afghanistan missed a trick by not bowling uh, Rashid Khan early? Because, like, you know, when he came on, mm. he was troubling the batsman. Not much, but he seemed to be having more effect. And he did end up picking the only two wickets that fell. Absolutely. I mean, he is beyond world class, that guy. No doubt about it. And you have to see if maybe they thought they could put all the pressure with their seam bowling. If you see their top first four bowlers... You could call mm. Mujibur Rahman a spinner. I mean, it's debatable. But the idea was to sort of hurry the Indian batsman with the pace and maybe a bit of seam. That really didn't work. They, that played beautifully into uh, Rohit Sharma's hands. And he had stout support from Ishan Kishan, who was actually, you know, um, doing enough. He's scoring at 100. He was cautious. Wasn't he? I think he probably got a telling off after his crazy dismissal in the first game. Ah. He just threw his hands at a wide delivery. Ah, first ball of the innings. Look, first ball of the innings, you can be beaten. You can be bold. You can get out. But probably you shouldn't throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> and I, rightly, he was criticized yeah. for it. Right? So, well, coming coming uh, further from that, I think also Jaspit Brumra, I think he made a difference in the end because Nabi was set. He could have d- done some damage. Brumra got rid of him. And so, basically, mm-hmm. Rashid Khan, Najibullah, and Risha, uh, Rashid uh, and Nabi, basically, was were all dismissed by Bumrah. That was a very crucial spell for mm-hmm. me in the end, where having played out Kuldeep very well and sort of kept Jadeja out, having done enough to take runs of Pandya and Thakur, they were sort of gearing up for that big finish. I thought that was a turning mm-hmm. point where Nabi got dismissed. And then from then on, you know, they could mount an effort, but it really didn't get much. The last five hours, it didn't produce the sort of results they expected of Afghanistan. So that they're probably 20 runs short. But in the form that India were, probably those 20 runs wouldn't have mattered. Right? So Ko- no. Kohli finished it off solidly. Shreya Sayer got an unbeaten 20 under his belt. Sort of, it's important in the upcoming games. So I think we should have a yeah. quick look at the upcoming games. Before we, before we move on, I just wanted to mention how good Bumrah was as well. Like 4 for 39 on that pitch. And the way he mixed up his pace, he bowled those loopy slow balls. He bowled those cutters. And he was incredible. Like, you know, bowling tight lines and lens bowling Yorkers was a fantastic world-class effort by him. I mean, he says he's these days preparing, uh, you know, focusing on preparation, focusing on trying to uh, go through his workouts, warm-ups, doesn't want to get injured, right? And he knows the quality he brings is enough. And he's not really looking to earn wickets. He's just looking to go through with his skill set and let it you know, pan out the way it must. And 
it's nice to hear somebody who's you know hardly 30 talk with that kind of uh, maturity that uh, you want to do things mm-hmm. right and hope you know that's enough your your preparation is where you actually put together plans and then you just focus on executing them in the middle and then uh, not not really strain yourself too much beyond a point i think is a thinking man's bowler isn't he ajay he's a thinking man's bowler is very intelligent of course mm-hmm. i think after he got somebody out he actually tapped his uh, temple yeah about how he thought about something like this yeah. so that was nice to see so what do you know what what kind of celebration is that is that because uh, i think it's been done before by uh, a sportsman in another sport right they said some footballer did it i mean i'm not following football i think it was the marcus rashford or something that was famous. ah yes yeah, yes yeah. yes it was called the rashford uh, rashford celebration apparently but i can imagine yeah, i can yeah. imagine bumrah is exactly the same sort of player who probably has out thought you four balls before and then he's setting you up to get you <laughs> out and you don't know you've fallen into the trap already yeah. something like this that's fantastic <laughs> so yeah i mean it boards really well that shardul got an outing as well for india and no ashwin but no problem because uh, between ashwin shardul they'll keep switching probably siraj may sit out for a while he had an off day mm-hmm. but shami might come in so we are switching towards the potential mm-hmm. uh, other games coming up so the first one is new zealand and bangladesh right so this is the game tomorrow mm-hmm. where it will be in chennai a turning pitch but new zealand have an edge when they play there do you think i think new zealand uh, are favorites overwhelming favorites but i don't know i think that's if depends on what kind of pitch turns up if the chennai pitch is anything like the pitch we had for india australia it can be very interesting because you know bangladesh have the bowlers like shakib is still going mm-hmm. strong his batting is great his bowling is still amazing and they have um, mustafizur rahman like who's great on slow pitches as well as you know a couple of other spinners so yeah it it can be a, it, a very interesting game i certainly the last time these two sides met in a world cup in 2019 it was a very close game and i believe in 2015 mm-hmm. too so it remains to be seen but i believe the gap between them has grown bigger since then and bangladesh have been a bit sloppy but uh, uh the pitch you know may just throw up a wild card what do you reckon no exactly so because it it's still a turning pitch it looked like the fourth day of a test match huh? the previous <laughs> game where india played so oh yes it was, it was fun to watch you know it's a, a good change from the batting carnage right so from that perspective if you look at it so if you look at what the teams may do i'm looking maybe you know tanzeed magetta go litton das is looking okay middle order needs to contribute tawhid rudai mushfiq rahim doing their bit so i think mahmudullah will mm-hmm. stay away but they may bring in one additional spinner uh, somebody like nasu mohammed in place of mustafizur rahman or shoriful islam i expect mustafiz taskin and shoriful were looking okay yeah. so that will be the change for bangladesh but for new zealand i mean kane williamson is ready we hear and ishodhi hasn't yeah. got a game yet so but if not here probably never i think I think I expect him to come in. I'm pretty sure New Zealand will field two spinners at least. So they will have Santner and Sodhi. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know who they dropped. So that would be the tricky part because like Rachi Ravindra has been amazing this mm. World Cup. Uh, maybe Glenn Phillips uh, might be the unlucky victim of Kane Williamson coming no. back. But who knows? Because like, William also got runs in the last game. So. No, no. I would think it will be uh, Mark Chapman. Oh, yes. That's right. I forgot nah, about it. He couldn't it. do enough poor guy. <laughs> as well he sat out the last game i'm not sure why I, i don't know if he was carrying a niggle or not because nisham i expect him to come correct but i don't see nisham required on this pitch because darrell mitchell can always give you those additional few hours of seam right so True. glen phillips will give you those additional hours of spin 
Lucky for Ferguson might play in in, in place of sorry, Sio uh, Sodi may play in place of Lucky Ferguson or a very brave decision if you want to bench Trent Bolt. Matt Henry looked really good. So I wouldn't mm. touch Matt Henry and Trent Bolt in theory that means Lucky Ferguson might miss out. Sodi will come in for Ferguson and uh, Williamson will come in for Conway. Uh, sorry, for uh, Chapman. This is my uh, prediction. The rest of the top order will remain same. Just that Ken Williamson will probably slot in at 4. This is my prediction simply because he's the one coming in and Rachin Ravindra is doing really well at 3. So you don't want to potentially mm. break that that position that he sort of made his own but it remains to be seen well ken williamson also uh, owned number 3 so um it remains to be seen a must the new zealand are finally utilizing rachin as they should because they made him bad in the lower order initially when he came right. on the side and he never he he always looked a better batter than a bowler like i don't i don't think his skills lie with his bowling it's it's all about the batting for me mm. no 100% correct he's indeed a bad batter who can bowl a bit so and that's how it should be mm. right so if you go a couple of steps back he's he's been quite revolutionary with this batting and i would i wouldn't simply remove him yeah. from the firing line at all no. so that remains mm. to be seen that remains to be nice to see uh, and uh, okay uh, i would still say south africa sorry new zealand would be the favorites here you're absolutely right and uh, they should run away with the game yeah, but then you never underestimate mm. a bangladesh on a spinning track that's the only caveat there Yeah, they're masters of that because you know that's the kind of pitches they play on back home, like in Dhaka and in Mirpur, so mm. uh, and Chittagong as well. So you know they, they could be very handy, especially if that Chennai pitch is anything like the one that turned up for India Australia. Right. So it remains to be seen. Then the big one in Ahmedabad on Saturday, India taking on Pakistan. <laughs> Then the massive elephant right. in the room. No, um, I think India are favourites because traditionally Pakistan has struggled against India in World mm. Cups. but uh, i mean india pakistan is a volatile game it's a huge stadium huge occasion anything can happen right um what do you, what do you reckon about the ahmedabad pitch um because i think the we've only had one game there so far which was the opening game england new mm. zealand uh it wasn't a completely flat track i mean new zealand made it appear like you know there's nothing in there for the bowlers but they came back pretty beautifully themselves with the ball so it's it's not it's not a bowl bowler pitch by any measure but probably it will aid batting but uh, maybe not you know ridiculous like uh, ridiculously like delhi or something like you know where you see 400s being scored right so yeah it, it would be a great game i i reckon mm. and i would go for a really really tight contest i don't expect too many changes from pakistan they're clicking well together gelling well together i don't see them making any changes for india well gills mm. seems to be fit but not 100% there so there again the question is shardul versus ashwin that's the only real question for me in that yeah. 11 unless you want to talk of maybe giving somebody uh, go like surya or somebody but i don't see them changing much so from team perspective any other changes you foresee no i think you're you're right about ashwin replacing shardul i think the rule because ashwin just gives you pure class in like and he's so experienced so i think it just makes sense for india to pick him and i don't think the pitch is going to aid like fast bowlers that much so i is there really really any need for um, shardul i don't know and like siraj might sit up after a bad day off mm-hmm. last time maybe shami may come back right so apart from that no i don't see i don't i don't see surya kumar yadav getting again mm-hmm. uh, at all right. and i believe the pakistan team will be unchanged because you know they had a victory and they did well so i expect fakhar zaman to still sit out shafiq to get a game again mm-hmm. and yeah i think it will be an unchanged team for pakistan barring injury 
all right interesting and same for india then potentially uh, maybe just ashwin will come in for uh, shardul hmm. all right and maybe gil but if gil comes in i don't know they they will be a hard choice for india whether they leave out ayer or maybe ishan kishan will get the boot in that case it's it's unfair on both but i think because gil is not back to 100% this what i read as of today and yeah. they'll be assessing him in the upcoming days so probably they'll have the same uh, top order bat, batsman yeah it's a long tournament so it's not like you know you still have six more group games after that it's a ridiculously long tournament so there's no need to rush him back so if you look at number of wins perspective india to pakistan to both set up but pakistan potentially riding the wave of confidence because of their chase against sri lanka uh, i would think so yeah it was then as you mentioned ajit the, earlier in the podcast that it was the highest and most successful world cup chase in world cup history so they would be feeling extremely confident because i think their fans wouldn't have expected especially after babar azam got out so for them to come through so comfortably i think they would you know take loads of positives from that game and yeah they would be riding high yet you will back india to win but yet i think india will edge it but i don't say that you know with any confidence <laughs> <laughs> because many things can happen because i remember if shahin shah afridi especially go, gets going mm-hmm. india have a historical Uh, I won't say weakness, but a kind of little vulnerability against left-arm pace, especially early up in the innings. So if he gets a few out, if he gets the ball talking, if he gets the ball to swing, and he gets a few early wickets, then anything can happen. Indeed, no, absolutely. But you never underestimate the likes of Hasan Ali and Rauf because Hasan Ali is coming back into the squad, but Rauf has had a couple of encounters with Indian batters earlier this year where he'll want to come good and yeah. you know. stamp is on authority so mm-hmm. and again pakistan top order are in good nick so plenty plenty of uh, positives for both sides so it'll make a cracker jack as far as i am concerned absolutely the only thing i will quickly mention is that pakistan spinners have looked a bit off color like shadab khan mm. has looked really off color that's a good me. point yeah, the last couple of days right now that's a really really good point because as far as uh, indian spinners are concerned i think kuldeep and jadeja are looking near, near the top of their game excellent and Ak- yeah. ashwin coming into the mix will make it th- that much more competitive from indian perspective so that's going to be fun so now before mm-hmm. i let you go really a prediction for the rest of sure. the world cup who are your semi finalists first ah uh, okay uh, it's still pretty early so i'll just take a wild stab in the dark i'll say new zealand will be there i'll say india will be there and for me england and south africa Uh, so picking south africa is a bold choice for me but i think their top 6 is looking amazing mm. and australia is looking really shocking this world cup so i don't expect them to uh, reach the semi finals because even today i was watching the game they dropped like at least five or six catches so their fielding has been extremely bad mm. and zampa looks undercooked so the spin bowling also like you know they only picked one main bowler and that main bowler is not looking very great uh, maxwell has picked up the slack and he's bowled incredibly well the last couple of games but i don't think it will be enough right and india in home conditions will be too strong but then like you know that's that's the four but like pakistan can be there as well so it's it's i'm i don't say that with any great confidence but like um, that that uh, that will be my hot take basically what about yourself ajit Yeah, I'm going for India, England, and Australia are the as the three semi-finalists that I'll back. <laughs> Australia yeah. usually come good towards the end of the tournament, but the fourth mm. slot is very tough for me as things stand. It's a toss-up between Pakistan and South Africa. New Zealand, I don't rate that they'll make the semi-final. I know it's unfair, but well, that's how <laughs> things are for now. And uh, you're yeah. winner of the tournament. Oh, uh, I don't know. 
I think India are basically great favorites, but then again, we know India's history about choking. <laughs> like everybody calls South Africa chokers, but like look at India, you know, they're the most financially dominant team in the world with the extremely large player pool. Uh, basically, you know, B B BCCI police all the cricket board, so they have all the power and dominance on their side. Mm. But even considering that, like they've had very little success. The last World Cup that we won was in 2011. And I think the last ICC trophy that we won was in 2013. And if, if I'm correct, it was the Champions Trophy. And it's been a 10-year barren run since then. Basically, a whole load of uh, semi-final exits. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think England are also strong favourites, even despite the fact that they have started off badly. And South Africa can surprise all. But I, I'll, I'll probably stick with India or England. Fair enough. The, those would have been my first two picks as well. India and then England in these conditions. Mm. Let's see. Mm. Let's see if it uh, pans out that way. And uh, well, the ongoing match itself, it's unfolding in such a way where currently Australia are a bit behind the eight ball. They are 39 for two mm -hmm. in a big chase. But as I said, I won't write Australia off yet. And South Africa, uh, they're, they're sort of peaking. And we know sometimes they tend to peak a bit early. But let's see how it goes. For South Africa, it's all about handling the mental pressure because we know they have the talent. They have an excellent top six. I would say it's arguably the best top six in the tournament. And, and especially in terms of because they're all in form together, mm -hmm. which really happens for teams. You have six batters, like quality batters. They're all in form together, which is very rare. Uh, but it's all about can they handle the pressure when it comes to the clutch moments. That that would be the biggest thing. And yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't write Australia off either because you know Smith and Labushain are there. They could put up a healthy partnership and then you have power hitters down the uh, middle order with Maxwell, Stoinis and then Ingles, Ingles as well. He's playing today. Yeah. So it, it will be an interesting game. Well, Australia are also looking for one uh, guy to come back, right? Travis said it might make a difference because he'll also bowl something. Oh, absolutely. Let's see. Mm. Let's see how that goes. All right. Mm. Um, those are all the news. But would you like to give a shout out about your work online uh, before we let you go, Shanak? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So I'll just say, um, anyone listening to me here, yeah, uh, please, you can follow my work on emergingcricket.com. Um, I write about associate nations and I've interviewed a whole load, whole, uh, host of players and CEOs from those countries. So it remains my big passion. And I do have a couple of upcoming interviews lined up. So hopefully that works out soon and I'll soon be writing about them as soon as the World Cup's over. Perfect. Thank you very much, Shanak. And uh, hope to catch you again uh, as a guest on this on the show. I'll uh, I'll get in touch. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Perfect. We wish all our listeners a good day where, wherever they may be listening from. Hope to have your company shortly. Once more in the upcoming episodes. Thank you and bye bye. Thank you. Bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Podcast Network. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.